And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. All the generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. The two verses that uh, I just want you to keep in mind is, one is verse 7. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Last verse, verse 10. All the generation also were gathered to their fathers, which means they died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Now, just a, bit, just a quick uh, summary, a quick uh, context setting, history, all of that. So we know that when uh, Israelites, uh, when they left Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea. The Lord led them marvelously uh, by a cloud during the day and through a fire by night. Um, um, they, they, they went through the wilderness and in the wilderness several times they disobeyed God. God kept punishing them. And, and we see all of that, right? And Moses, the way he led Israelites uh, right up till uh, right up till a little before uh, the land of Canaan. Now, what we see here is that during the course of this journey in the book of Leviticus, the various uh, sacrifices, the, the 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 priestly duties, all of that was instituted. All that we read in the book of Leviticus, and then eventually we find that when when God sends. Uh, when God uh, sends those uh, spies uh, to spy the land and come back, we know that uh, you know they they lacked faith, and then God punishes that entire generation. Right? He makes them really go on a spin for about forty years, till that one entire generation perishes in the desert sand, and only the families of Joshua and Caleb were spared. And then we find that Moses, again Moses uh, runs into trouble because he disobeys God, and God punishes Moses by not allowing him to enter the promised land. And then we find Joshua coming on the scene, a great man of God. And, and you know, if you ask me, Joshua's generation was the best generation, the luckiest generation, because all the promises that were promised to their forefathers were now being realized by this generation. Because this is the generation that is now entering Canaan. Canaan, the land, the promised land, which was promised to their forefathers, this is the generation which was actually entering the promised land. And, and what a wonderful way in which God was leading them, right? If you look at the battle of Jericho, can you imagine such a great fortress falling down just by some people blowing trumpets and shouting? The walls came down. Amazing. I, of course, they did suffer some setbacks because of the sin of Akhan, but eventually God gives them victory. God gives them several such victories in the course of their journey. And God himself says that God has given them victories over armies that were militarily and numerically superior to them. So God was fighting for them. God was right in the front. So Joshua's generation was one of the best of generation. Now what's happening here is Joshua dies, right? Towards the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua dies. He in fact calls all the people. He gets them to renew their covenant with God. He makes an exit from the scene. And, and after he makes an exit from the scene, we find that the various tribes helping one another to go and conquer the land. And then we come to this portion which we just read. Now Joshua's generation was the best of generation like we read in chapter 2, verse 7. But, chapter, but verse 10 is what actually got me thinking. It says that 
that generation died but there arose another generation which just didn't know about god they didn't know about god they didn't know who this great god was the if they were the gen x the gen y didn't know about god and then eventually what we find is that generation was so bad they went behind the gods of the world like baals and ashtaroth and which if you if you actually do some bit of research you will find that uh, baal was the god of fertility baal was a god who provide fertility to the soil and fertility to people and the rituals and all those things associated with baal were quite immoral and on one hand you had a generation which was which which saw the great acts of god and then you have the next generation following baal following ashtaroth following all kinds of immoral sins that generation it was it just took one generation to fail it just took one generation to forget the lord and i was just thinking about you know the context that we are living in today right we live in a world which is so worldly because 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 if you read history you will find that the 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 culture of that day canon was uh, i mean they had a very strong culture and typically a strong culture will always absorb a weaker culture they were they 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 were culturally advanced they were materially advanced they were advanced in every way and god kept repeatedly warning them that do not mingle with them do not go behind their gods do not go behind their cultures do not do not do not bow down before idols and 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 and, and in several places in the bible we find that israelites sometimes also had god and they also had baal they kind of were mixing the two and this is what god hated so god warned them kept warning them do not go behind them do not go behind their gods there are beautiful women in their places don't go behind them but they intermarried they did all kinds of wrong things which were not supposed to happen and all it took was for that one generation to fail now it's quite it's quite this is what this is what really shook me you know the next generation did not have a covenant with god the next generation absolutely failed in their covenant with god and i was just thinking you know there are a lot of things that we pass on to our kids genetically the color of our skin the eyes the hair maybe your character itself but then faith is something that is not genetic unfortunately faith is not genetic every generation needs to make their own covenant and they need to keep that covenant with lord god sometime back um, i was watching tv a couple of years ago a channel that i normally don't watch but i happened to watch it was got tv and uh, there was this australian pastor who was giving a sermon and he was talking about the fact that uh, that his father the pastor's father who was also a pastor happened to get caught in a serious sin and uh, and it came out and this pastor went to his teenage son and called him and said son I want to apologize to you for what my dad did and for the ill reputation that it brought to us our family and our church and he said I I thank God when my son told me dad do not worry I have my own covenant with God I have my own understanding of who God is so it doesn't matter what grandpa did and I was just thinking folks when our generation when our next generation grows up will they grow up to have their own covenant with the lord jesus christ
because faith is not gener- genetic now if you look at uh, some of the instances that god uh, the way god was uh, leading the children of israel can we can we just look at that portion in um, in in exodus which speaks about the passover let's look at exodus chapter 12 Exodus chapter 12, and I will read from verse 23 onwards. It says that, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. Here we find that the very reason why such a Passover was instituted, one of the primary reasons was so that the next generation, when they see this, they will ask their parents, what does this mean? Why are you smearing blood? What is all this happening? And then you will tell them that our God is great. He led us wonderfully. We were slaves in the land of Egypt. He made us walk through the Red Sea. And you will recount all the mighty acts of God before your children. So God not only called, when he called the children of Israel to holiness, when he called them out, he also wanted to ensure that the next generation also follows him. And he instituted these memorials. Now you all remember the story of uh, the priests and the Israelite crossing the uh, not Red Sea, uh, the River Jordan, right? And we know that when when the feet of them touched River Jordan, the, again the waters parted. Let's look into that uh, that portion itself, uh, Joshua chapter four. Joshua chapter 4 and verse uh, 6 onwards, it says, Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, what do these stones mean? They were asked to pick up those stones and build a memorial, right? And it says that you shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. And then if you read verse 21, it says, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform the children, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. So we find that here is a God who is so concerned about the Gen, Gen Y, the, the, the next generation, right? He was so concerned about them. He made Israel institute these memorials so that they will ask. And when they ask, you tell them, you tell them about the mighty acts of God. I'm sure all of us who have kids, uh, at least in the age group of five, sometime they have asked us, right, what is this bread and wine that you all have? Why can't we have? And I'm sure we've all told them that this is what it means. God died for us. We have to be his children. And when we are his children, we partake of that. Same thing. God was also always concerned about the children. Now, as we move along, we find that... Um, that uh, that one of the portions in the Old Testament which really speaks about how we should talk and how we should train up our children is that beautiful chapter which the elders normally read here when we have a baby dedication, and that is Deuteronomy chapter 6. So shall we look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6? 
Now this Deuteronomy chapter 6 is kind of the uh, the grand charter or the what do you call it? the magna carta of bringing up children right and 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 I never looked through this in so much of detail but but you know this time when I was preparing this message it really opened my eyes on a lot of truths that are that are that are written here about how the how we must bring up our children now if you take a look at uh, if you take a look at the overall context if you read verses um, Okay, we'll read from verse 1 on it says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the commandments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life. So if you look at the audience here, it says that you, your son and your grandson. So this 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 portion speaks to the parents and the grandparents as well. And it is an instruction to them to keep all the statutes and his commandments which God has commanded them all their life in the land that they are going to possess. And if you take a look at, if you, if you, if you read these instructions, one thing that came to my mind is, as fathers, and I think that's the link which uh, you had you had sent out a link, right, on, on the men's group about fathers leading worship at home? Yeah. Uh, Jaren had sent out a link sometime back. And I was just thinking, you know, the instruction is to the dads in the homes. And we dads, I'm saying I as a dad, in terms of leading worship at home, I don't think I've done a great job with that. We, we sometimes are so busy, so caught up with work, with maybe shifts, with calls, with meetings, with stuff like that, that we've kind of delegated this to our better halves. But I was just so convicted that dads, we need to take responsibility for leading the worship and for leading spiritual conversation within our homes. Here, the instruction is actually to dads and granddads. And it's asking us to take charge. So that is, that is, the, that is the audience to which it is addressed. Of course, the women of the home have a special place, but as dads, we need to take charge. We need to be in control of the worship at home. In fact, if you, le- if, if you, if you, if you go to verse 3, we will look at verse... Uh, yeah, we look at verse 3. It says, O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply, multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now here we find a certain set of instructions which are to the parent and through the parent it goes to the child as well. It says that, O Israel, listen, listen and be careful. So the first instruction is to listen. Right? In the New Testament when we look at uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 it says that faith comes by hearing. So you have to first listen. And it may not literally mean listen, but it might mean that you do things in such a way that you receive the word of God in your heart. So what are you as parents, what am I as a parent doing to listen to God's word and to ensure that my kids listen to God's word? In our busy schedules today, are we doing enough to ensure that the kids get an opportunity to listen to God's word? And I think like how George has repeatedly told here, going to a church with a great Sunday school or going to a great Christian school like maybe a Clarence where there's teaching of the word, it might have a role, but the primary role lies in our homes. 
Are we getting the kids to listen? Do they have an opportunity to listen at home? It might not be, we might all, we might be having a family altar there. We might just be singing some song, read a psalm, say a prayer, go to sleep. It might be happening. But are we really giving children an opportunity to systematically listen to the word of God? Or are we just doing it as another routine? You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, uh, all of us who have little kids, you know, in the evening, sometimes the kids come to us and say, you know, can you read this story for us? Um, if, uh, if it is during that uh, prayer time, read this Bible story for us. They want to talk. They want to, you know, that's a great opportunity. But sometimes it happens to me also. I might have come really tired. The tendency is to sometimes just show them away, tell them, okay, mommy will read for you. She will pray with you, put you to bed. And we might just want to sit and relax. And I was just thinking, you know, these kids are small, they come running to you and we don't have the time. A time will come when we get old, we will have the time and when we call them, they'll say, sorry, we don't have the time. They are busy with their studies, they might want to talk to their friends. And this is possibly the golden period that we are missing out if we don't get the kids to listen. Get them to listen to the word of God in a way that they understand. One of the things that uh, we we interestingly uh, came across uh, last year is uh, during one of the Campus Crusade, um, the OM exhibition that happens, we picked up this beautiful book written by Josh McDowell. Now, you, you know Josh McDowell. He's an apologist. He, read, he wrote that book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And I could never imagine that this man can write a book for kids. And let me tell you, it's one of the best books that I have come across it actually addresses various topics through stories in the Bible as a daily devotional. And every time we take that book and read, the kids are like so excited. I would recommend that book to anybody. I'm not saying you follow that book. But have a plan. Have a plan so that kids are systematically exposed to the word of God. They need to first listen. Faith comes by listening, by hearing. And that's the first thing that they need to do. Coming to our... Uh, Next, uh, coming to our next point, it says you should listen and then be careful to do it. So the point number one is that, um, that obedience starts with hearing. So first you hear and point number two is hearing leads to obeying the word of God. It says listen and be careful to do it. Now many a times we in our families, we in our churches, we in the community that we are brought up in, we are known as great preachers. We are known as people who profess a lot of things. But we are known to be very bad when it comes to putting those things into practice. We hear great sermons in churches. We are known to be reading great books and, and, and all of that. But finally, when it comes to obeying the word of God, do our kids see us as parents obeying that? Are we a testimony in front of them in obeying the word of God? Take any example, right? For example... Um, um, uh, when kids look at the way we spend our money, right? We might come to church and preach about um, giving money to God's work and all of that. But in home, in the home, when kids want certain things, do we take that effort to explain to them saying that, you know, while we might have the money, that money needs to go to somebody else who is in need. Do they see us obeying first what we preach are we a good example in front of their eyes? 
you could take another example you could take a look at uh, the things that um, um, or 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 do or do do the little girls as they grow up do they pick up values from their moms do they learn things with regard to modesty do they do, do they pick up things with regard to um, how 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 submissive her mom is at home when they grow up they will remember what their mom was doing at home right not what somebody else would do our sons when they grow up will they my son when he grows up will he remember me as someone who was caring to my wife who spoke to her respectfully who considered her as a weaker vessel or he'll see me standing here and preaching and i go home and do the opposite thing it's going to have a totally reverse effect on him as he grows up so when kids if they have to obey they have to see us as parents obey first what we preach and what we read and what we teach them otherwise there's absolutely no effect some of you might know this gentleman called woodrow wilson he was a former president of the united states he was also the president of princeton university and this is what he told a group of parents i just love it and please listen to me he said i get letters from you parents about your children you want to know why we people up here in princeton can't make more of more out of them and do more for them let me tell you the reason we can't it may shock you a little but i am not trying to be rude the reason is that they are your sons reared in your homes blood of your blood bone of your bones they have absorbed the ideals of your homes you have formed and fashioned them they are your sons in those malleable moldable years of their lives you have forever left your imprint upon them so these are our kids we can't i mean the home is to be the greatest school the seminary the college for spiritual growth it is the home it is what you make don't think that you sending them out to a great sunday school or to a great school is ever going to make any change they need to see you as parents as me as parents when i teach them to obey they should see me listening and obeying the word of god you know between i read this line between the child and god stands the parent who is either a separating wall or a connecting link and let's really pray that we are that link the children when they see us as parents don't see contradiction in the way we deal with them let them see us as being a primary example let us see the dads in this church as dads who 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 give the spiritual leadership at home let them see us as as parents who respect the authorities of the church let them see us respect the church itself let us see us as parents obeying everything that god has commanded us whether it is respecting our fellow believers whether it is in giving our money away whether it is in um, in, uh, in 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 everything that we do right let us see as obedient parents and let us not see any kind of contradiction in our lives let us not see them i mean are they when we talk about the fact that god is the god who can feed the birds of the air and and you know the 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 he takes care of the lilies of the field you know we talk all of that but then 
when we go through crisis are they seeing us worried are they seeing us being anxious or are they seeing us in the home praying to god knowing that god would lead what are they learning from what are they learning from let's keep that in mind so so like i said point number 1 was obedience starts with hearing point number 2 is hearing leads to obeying the word of god now let's look at uh, verse 5 it says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might these words which i am commanding you today shall be on your heart now the point here is that you know we hear we obey but the other important thing to note here is that obedience comes out of total love for god it is when you see when you really love somebody you know you would do anything for that person right for example i mean take the case of our kids itself when they fall sick when they when they go through some kind of a problem we are like so anxious we are praying to god we are trying to take them to the best of doctors we are trying to do a lot of things because we really love them and when we really love them the things our actions everything come out of love for them and when we obey god we need to obey god out of that great love we love him with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind when we get up every day morning are we seeing god as priority do our kids see us putting god as priority do they know that okay when with with regard to my parents he loves the lord first what do they think they think do, do you think that our kids uh, you know in some time when they grow up they'll say that my dad he loved god first or he loved his work first or he loved his gadgets first or he loved football first what is it what was his greatest passion in life was it god did my dad or did my mom really love the lord our god with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind was every decision that he or she was taking was basis his love for god what do you think what do you think what do you think our parents will grow up you know when history writes about our kids will history write about our kids as the cbf gen next was a godly generation or will history write like how it wrote in judges that there arose another generation which forgot the lord for that we as parents first need to be examples you know there's that uh uh there's that hymn which came to my mind when i was thinking you know sometimes yes we know that we need to love god with all our heart soul and mind but you know we are prone to we are prone we are humans we are prone to wander there's that song right prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love yes we are prone we are prone but the fact is that we are to love the lord our god with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind if today we are casual about these things in front of our kids you know of course god will have mercy upon them but i think we would have failed big time as parents in bringing up bringing them up before god Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 to 24 says do not lay up treasures on earth which which moths eat up so today when they look at us are they looking at us driving and striving towards things that moths would eat up are they looking at us and seeing us build possibly castles accumulating wealth which moths would eat up are they looking at us driving of course we all need careers we all need a job but are they looking at us being overly 
obsessed with some of these things or are they looking at us as pursuing things of God, pursuing the godly things of God? Otherwise, you know, when kids grow up, they are likely to do the things that we are doing today. If we truly trust God to fulfill all our needs, then that is what the kids should see in us. Not driving behind, you know, today's filthy world and trying to accumulate all that this world has to offer. Some of you might know this uh, doctor couple called Christy and Ivy. I don't know if any of you know them. So, to introduce you better to them, Feba, who was, who was with us, Feba's husband, John. Uh, Christy is John's brother. And uh, we grew up together in Kuwait. And uh, Christy is a postgraduate doctor. And is Ivy. Ivy is also a postgraduate doctor. And Christy grew up in a very good home. Um, and, you know, I've known him. He was my senior in school, and we were together in Sunday school. His brother John and I were classmates for many years. Um, we grew up together, and Christy is one man. I've not really been in touch with him, but we are connected on Facebook. But, but you know, uh, a lot of decisions that he's taken has really, really challenged me. And uh, they both are doctor couples, so, you know, right, doctors, they are employable anywhere in the world. Uh, uh, you know, um, they can live in any of the best cities that they want to. But they took a decision to be m- missionary doctors. And for many years, they were serving the Lord in this place called Roberts Gunge in UP. And last year, they moved to another place in UP to serve the Lord. And I think just a little before Christmas time, he wrote something on Facebook, which really, really, really touched me. And it really touched me more because I know him. I know him so well. He was someone who grew up with us. And this is what he wrote. He said, People ask me, what is the madness that drives you to spend the best years of your life in a remote, undesirable part of this country? I realize that it is nothing compared to the madness of my Heavenly Father who sent His beloved Jesus Christ to this dark and cold world in the most unassuming and undesirable circumstances. He showed us that He was crazy in love with us and would do whatever it takes to win our hearts back. This is what he wrote. And I was like, wow. I'll just read this again. He said, people ask me, what is the madness that drives you to spend the best years of your life in a remote, undesirable part of this country? I realize that it is nothing compared to the madness of my Heavenly Father who sent His beloved Jesus Christ to this dark and cold world in the most unassuming and undesirable circumstances. He showed us that He was crazy in love with us and would do whatever it takes in our hearts back. They loved the Lord so much that you know, it didn't matter to them that they can possibly live in a great city. It didn't matter to them that they can be employed in one of the best corporate hospitals. They can be earning lakhs of rupees. It just didn't matter to them. What mattered to them was the love that they experienced from the Heavenly Father. And they wanted to show that love in the medical field by being of service to the most, in, in some of the most remotest parts of this country. Truly amazing, truly amazing. And I was just thinking, you know, do we love the Lord like that? We may not go into a remote place like this, but in the little decisions that we take, in the attitudes that we show, 
do we really love the lord our god with all our heart with all our soul and with all our minds you know our the love of god or our love for god it's not just an intellectual love it's a love which prompts us to take action you can't just go about things the way the world does and say that we love our god great greatly that's not what it does your action should show and uh, was it was uh, six says that these words which i am commanding you today shall be on your heart it means it has to be in your mind in the center of your thoughts and the object of your devotion if you love god though if you love god this way we will not wander our kids will not wander let that be a great example right now let's look at verse um, verse 7 and 9 it says that you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates now now, now i'm not getting into you know dissecting this but overall if you look at it what it says is we have to be diligent we have to be regular we have to be natural and we have to be personal how do we appeal to children to obey god's word we have to be diligent we have to be regular we have to be natural we have to be personal right diligent we need some planning right when we talk to the kids that's what i was saying we need to have a daily plan we need to set aside some time to talk to them to instruct them not when we have the time sometime in the morning sometime on the weekend you know that that i mean it has happened to me also sometimes that's that takes the last place we run behind running the things of the home we run behind getting everything else done but when it comes to spending that some time to discuss spiritual matters with the children we are not diligent we are not careful enough and that's what that's what it says here we have to be diligent you shall teach them diligently you see you need to have a plan parents we need to have a plan don't buy them some cds and tell them bible stories go watch it buy them some books read it make them mug some memory verses don't think your job is done we need to have a plan we need to reason out with them we need to talk to them we need to set aside some time for them and we need to do this regularly we need to do this systematically right and verse 20 uh, sorry is it in verse 20 uh, that when you uh, yeah not uh, when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down when you rise up so it actually speaks of engaging in a conversation with them you know throughout for example when they see the you know god's creation when you take them to the beach when you take them to the park you know talk to them about how glorious this god is talk to him talk to them about the creation that is there in front of their eyes because all creation shows the glory of god let's make it let's make it interesting let's make it fun for the kids right in every aspect of our lives let them see how god is at work and we have to do this personally we have to do it personally not through any kind of outsourcing this we cannot outsource we have to do it this is a command to the parents and god is 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 god needs a nation to be after his own heart and he's looking at perpetuating that faith to the next generation through the parents 
we have god has given us a role to perpetuate our faith to the next generation and we need to stand up and do that and as and, and to the men in the church you know we need to be man enough to take that responsibility and drive spiritual leadership in our homes we need to be man enough we can be man enough for so many other things but that's not enough we need to be man enough to take the spiritual responsibility in our own homes verses 10 to 15 speaks about certain warnings then it shall come about when the lord your god brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers abraham isaac and jacob to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build and houses full of all good things which you did not fill and hewn cisterns which you did not dig vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant and you eat and are satisfied then watch yourself that you do not forget the lord who brought you from the land of egypt out of the house of slavery you shall fear only the lord your god and you shall worship him and swear by his name you shall not follow other gods any of the gods of the people who surround you for the lord your god is in the midst of you is a jealous god otherwise the anger of the lord will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth his warning is against loving the world so when 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 these folks went into canaan canaan was an attractive place so god said you take the land but don't go behind their gods don't behind their rituals don't go behind their women don't go behind any of these things and today if you look at it the world that our kids grow up in it's scary right the world with all its attractions whether it is entertainment whether it is it is the books whether it is uh, whether it is morality there's there's nothing there's nothing that that they can get from this world but if you look at it here it is warning warning against following the world and as we bring them up do we constantly talk to them in our talks do we constantly warn them about the attractions that the world has to offer so that was the first warning right and then if you look at uh, if if you if you look at it uh, verses 17 it says uh, sorry was yeah you shall not follow any other gods any of the gods of the people who surround you for the lord is a jealous god and then verse 16 says you shall not put the lord your god to the test as you tested him at massa in massa the the israelites were grumbling so when 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 we go through when we go through some crisis or when we go through phases that we never expected we would go through do kids see us as grumbling parents do they say oh god why is god putting me through all of this god hates that right he's saying do not test him like how you tested him at massa and then if you come to verse 17 it says that you shall diligently keep the commandments of the lord our god and his testimonies and his statutes which he commanded you you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the lord that it may be well with you and you, you may go in and possess the good land which the lord swore to your fathers you shall diligently keep the commandments it in fact tells that you must not lose sight of your godly goals keep that goal he's given us a goal right keep that goal go at it let us let us never put our guards down because god has given us a great responsibility when it comes to the next generation that's mainly what i had to that's mainly what i had to say but uh, i just want 
each one of us sitting here to think, you know, what are we doing with the next generation that's coming up? Those of you who don't have kids, those of you who are not married must be wondering, what am I doing here, sitting and listening to this? But let me tell you that as I was growing up, yes, parents were a big influence, but in our churches we had some very fine young men and women who were, some of them were our Sunday school teachers, some of them were just members of the church who've left a deep influence on us. And you know, some of you who are, who are in college, who are learning, you know, the, these kids, you know, they might look up to your lifestyle more than, they might see you as being closer in age than us. So you have a great responsibility to be a good testimony to them as they grow up. We are all one church. Uh, we are all one family. We are all different parts of the same body. So you have a great, great testimony to keep in front of the budding ones that are growing up. And I really hope and pray that uh, you would do that. So just to sum up, what did, we, what did we learn today? We said that point number one, I mean the main point is that faith is not genetic. Everything else can be genetic, but when it comes to faith, there's no genetics involved here. Right? Each child has to make his or her own covenant with God and keep that, learn to keep that covenant. Then we spoke about obedience. Obedience starts with hearing God's word. Let us make enough and ample opportunities for kids to listen to the word of God in our homes. Then we spoke about hearing leads to obeying God's word. And kids need to see us as parents obeying God's word. Not just preaching, but practicing and putting what we learned in practice. They need to see us as being the first example. And then we spoke about obedience comes out of total love for God. Because we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And because He is the greatest thing that we can love, we want to do everything for Him and for His name's glory. And the kids see that. And they, as they grow up, they would begin to put God as a priority in in their lives, and then we spoke about how do we how do we how do we appeal to children? We appeal to them diligently, regularly, naturally, personally. That's how we need to constantly engage with these kids. And it, and the warnings that we read are: it warns us against loving the world, against testing the Lord. Kids should not see us as being grumpy pots before the Lord but to thank Him in all circumstances and we must never lose sight of our godly goals. And in closing, I would just like to read from verses 20 to 25. It says that when your son asks you in time to come saying, what do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgment mean which the Lord our God commanded you? You shall say to your son, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt and the Lord brought us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great Distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against, against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land which he had sown to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, and for our survival as it is today. It will be a righteousness for us if we are to, if we, if we are careful to obey all this commandment before the Lord our God, just as he commanded us. You see, God has a plan for the kids and we should not, we should just not fail our plan. 
just something in closing, some, some interesting facts. Isaac Watts was saved at about the age of nine. His hymns have lifted the hearts of millions. Jonathan Edwards, whose clear testimony and dynamic preaching stirred all of New England for God, was converted when he was only seven. Matthew Henry was brought to Christ at the age of 11, and through his many years of study of God's word, he produced his well-known commentaries on the Holy Scripture. Thousands of other men and women have been brought to the foot of the cross when they were young, and their whole life could be dedicated to Christ. Let's hope that, you know, in, in the next generation of CBF, we have some great people rising up to stand for God. Let's pray. Recently, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for allowing us to sit in front of your word. Father God, we especially commit the, the, the next generation of people in our church. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would give each of us as parents the necessary grace to, to, to be of service to them, Lord, to be of spiritual service to them, Lord. We pray that we would not fail, Lord. We pray that each of us would know that we should listen to your word. We should hear and obey your word. And we need to be the first example for our kids, Lord. And Lord Jesus, we pray that none of the little ones in this church would perish and everyone would be saved and that your grace and your mercy would extend to each of them. And we pray that we as parents, none of us would fail before your eyes. Give us the grace, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.